Take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation. I do not try to cover everything in a book. I don't cover every verse or every little word. Uh, that's for others. I, I just hit generalization. Uh, I like to do like a biblical survey. And uh, I like to give people a general idea of what uh, things talking about. And then you can read and study on your own. No preacher can live long enough to teach everything in the Bible. And because uh, by the time he didn't learn something, he didn't learn some more. And then he didn't learn some more. And it just is no end to it. But we covered last week about the seven angels who had the seven trumpets that had the seven judgments. And uh, that came out in the eighth chapter in comparison with the 16th chapter. And as we told you that there's a lot of parallels. They all run at the same time throughout the book of, of uh, Revelation uh, concerning the tribulation period upon the earth. Uh, we believe the first part is the beginning of sorrow, the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. Now, the tribulation period, the seven years upon the earth, is the worst period of time known to man. And it's the period of time that's right ahead of us. Uh, you'll find two phrases mentioned. One is the great tribulation, and the other one is the wrath of God. Uh, the great tribulation is the tribulation that people are going through because of the devil is free to do whatever he wants to do. And he's doing a lot of damage. And it's causing a lot of tribulation concerning the people and the mark of the beast, the last world government, and all these things that he is causing. And the Lord allows him to do what he can do, but he's always limited. So then you have the wrath of God, where God is pouring out his wrath also upon the earth. And I believe there's a good possibility that the great tribulation and the wrath of God are running parallel also in the last three and a half years upon the earth. Now, we've already covered the sixth seal, but I want you to take your Bible and look there at the sixth seal in chapter six of Revelation. And you notice there in verse nine, there is a picture of the scene taking place in heaven. Now, this is what is taking place in heaven during the tribulation period. So even though it was written 2,000 years ago, it's in regard to that little seven-year period of time that's coming upon the earth so that we can understand what's going to take place. Uh, it's, a, it's a very scary time upon the earth. And it says in verse 9, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Now, we live in a country where we're not really persecuted for our faith. I believe the day will come, if God should tarry, that is going to greatly change. I believe there will be people here in America that will either be put in jail or killed because of their faith in Christ. Uh, that is happening in other countries. It's just that we haven't had it happen here because of our freedom that we have here. So, but that is slowly changing. Uh, believe it or not, there's many people today that are slowly losing their freedom as there's so many things you can't do anymore. And whatever you can do, they tax it. And if it moves, tax it. If it breathes, tax it. If it, you can eat it, tax it. It don't matter what it is. Understand where America is and have better trade agreements and blah, 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 blah. One thing they don't like is they don't like the continual 
devaluing the dollar because it's not worth as much. Uh, if I was to loan him $50,000 and I got to pay him back, well, I don't have $50,000, so I print up me some more money. And now I print up some more money. Now I can give him that money that I just printed up. But the only problem is this money that I printed up isn't worth as much as it was when I made that loan. So I am paying him back with money that's worth less than what he borrowed. So I'm using cheaper money. Now, otherwise, he would say, no, 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 no. You owe me 50000 but because the money's not as worth as much anymore, uh, you owe me $70,000. And this is why there's countries that have invested in America and they're losing money because they keep printing money. And when they keep printing money, there's more of it, but it's worth less. And so there's the value is gone. And so one of these days, we're going to find ourselves with paper stuff that ain't worth a quarter, just like during the um, uh, the Southern Confederacy, when they found out they all they had these, these Confederate dollars, <laughs> they were useless. And one of these days, they're going to find out the money is useless, it's of no value. And so we're trying to do something that doesn't have to be done. But it says in verse 10, And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? So now God is going to judge and he's going to avenge the blood of those who have already died upon the earth because of their faith in Christ. Now whether or not that's from the beginning of time, remember the Lord says concerning Abel who had been slain by Cain, his blood crieth out unto me from the ground. And this is the same thing he's talking about right here. Now, is it all the saints or just during the tribulation period? I don't know. I really don't care. I just know there's a scene that takes place in heaven. There's people that are in heaven who were killed upon the earth, and they want to know, Lord, when are you going to take vengeance upon them? So in the verse 12 down, when he opens the sixth seal, uh, he's going to pour out his judgment upon the earth, and it's called the wrath of the Lamb, and it's the worst period of time that the world has ever known. But right in the middle of doing all of this and the um, opening of the seventh seal in chapter 8, lo and behold, here's chapter 7 stuck right in the middle of this. Now, chapter 7 is like a parenthetical expression in a sentence. You can take it, leave it there, and it doesn't hurt the flow of the sentence. Or you can take it out, and it doesn't hurt the flow of the sentence. So right in the middle of this, there is this parenthetical expression. Teaching us something about what's going to happen during this period of time between these seals. And if you'll notice there in chapter 7, he says, And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. Now, we know that when they start opening up these four angels in their order, one upon the earth, the land, the sea, and so forth, and then the other one talk about the sun. These are the four angels. And before they can do what they do, because what the chapter starts in chapter 8, about the seven angels, but they're the four before the last three who have the three woes. And so before they can do any of their damage, the Lord says, wait just a minute. I want to seal 144,000 Jewish evangelists. At least I believe that's what they're going to be doing. And it's after the rapture takes place, there's 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe. These are not Jehovah's Witnesses. That is a lie. 
They are not the 144,000 uh, because they haven't even got to this period of time yet. And they are not of the tribes of Israel. I had two of them come in my <laughs> And next thing you know, they were telling me how they were part of the 144,000. I says, really? Yeah. I said, what tribe are you from? I said, what? I said, what tribe? I don't know. I said, well, these are 12,000 from each tribe of Israel. I says, and you don't even know which tribe you're from? How do you know for sure? Anyway, I had some fun with them. It was a long time ago. I'm more mellow now and kinder and sweeter. Back then, I was just confrontational. I was looking for a fight. I was looking for an argument. Anything, you know, start something. I'm glad I'm not like that anymore. Now, here he's talking about something that's going to happen concerning the nation of Israel. And he's going to have his Jewish evangelist preaching on the earth. Now, if you look there, there in verse 9, uh, we have the Gentiles. You say, now who is a Gentile? If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Not a nation of Israel, you're a Gentile. So, in verse 9, there's a great multitude, and there's no number on this. But now with the Jews, there is. There's, of course, there's, there's smaller numbers. But there's Jews and Gentiles that will be saved during the tribulation period. Now, one of the things to keep in mind is this. It's very easy to say, well, when the rapture takes place, all the Christians are gone. So how does anybody else get saved? If all the believers are gone, who's going to win? Well, now, I believe that there's still a possibility. If I'm witnessing to him and he's lost, I planted some seeds. I'm not telling you, you know, the rapture's going to take place, Jesus is going to come, we're out of here, and all of a sudden I disappear. He might believe. I believe that he can still trust the Lord until he's, until he's dead. But there's a time in the tribulation period because they would not believe the truth, they will believe the lie, which is the Antichrist, but that's when he comes on the scene, which is a little bit later. So I believe that people can still get saved. And plus, the seed has been sown, and there's still a lot of people who can trust Christ. But there's also that possibility of 144,000 that may have heard the gospel, trust Christ as Savior, know what's going on. I don't know how they come to know the Lord. The Bible doesn't say. I can't say. It's better that whenever the scriptures are silent, be silent. When it speaks, speak. And But you always have opinions. And I've got opinions just like everybody else got. But this is talking about the Jewish people. And it says... Concerning the four winds. Now take your Bible and just hold it right here. But look there in Matthew 24. Matthew and chapter 24. You'll notice when it talks about these four winds of what it, I believe is a good possibility it's referring to. You'll notice that when Christ comes back at the end of the tribulation period. You see there in verse 29 of chapter 24. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and blah, 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 blah. You'll notice, and then in verse 30, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. When? Right after the tribulation period, when all these things are happening. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. Now, the tribes of the earth is always a thing that goes generally to the nation of Israel. The other one, they can call them uh, Ethnos, or the kingdom and the Basilea, uh, which is the kingdom, and Ethnos, which really refers to race. And uh, But notice what he says here. 
In verse 31, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. Now, this is what we've been studying over there in the book of Revelation, about the angels and the trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect, the Jewish people, from the four winds. From, that means from one end of heaven to the other. In other words, all over the earth, they're going to come together. The Lord is going to use his people, and they're going to be preaching all over the world. And I believe that uh, multitudes of people are going to be saved because of this 144,000 Jewish evangelists. Uh, take your Bible and look in the book of Romans in chapter 11. The book of Romans. The book of Romans and chapter 11. Now we know that the Jews did not accept Jesus Christ as their Messiah. And because Israel had rejected Christ, the kingdom that he came to set up was postponed. And so because of their rejection, well, then you have the Gentiles grafted in. So look what he says here in, just start there in verse 17. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, then Gentile, wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, with them partakers of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. In other words, you were grafted into the root that the nation of Israel rejected, which was Christ. And so they were set aside, and the Gentiles were grafted in. Now, how long is this going to be? Now, there's two things to remember. One is the fullness of the Gentiles. The other one is the times of the Gentiles. Now, the times of the Gentiles, well, that goes all the way back from Babylon all the way up until the end of the tribulation period when God is going to be dealing with the nations of the, of the world, the Gentile nations. But the fullness of the Gentiles is when it's a reference to the believing Jew and the Gentile and making a body, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And so the fullness of the Gentile, when that is come in, uh, then the Bible says something else is going to take place. See what it says here. So he says here in uh, verse 20, well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spare not the natural branches, Israel, take heed lest he also spare not thee, the Gentiles. Behold, therefore the goodness and the severity of God, on them which fail severity, but toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt also be cut off. So there's a time in the future that God can take the Gentiles and set them aside, and then the Jews will come back into the natural root. If God can do it with a wild olive branch and graft them in, what about his own people? It'd be easier. And so the day will come when it will be easier for the children of Israel to believe on Jesus Christ as their Messiah than the Gentiles have believed because it's only natural for them. Jesus is of the nation of Israel. He's of the tribe of Judah. And Jesus is coming back. And this is at a time when the nation of Israel and the Jewish people are going to have their worst persecution. I mean, what Hitler did was bad, but this is going to be just as bad or worse. The Lord says there's never been a time like it before. 
And so great persecution ahead for the nation of Israel. I've often thought, about, man, I love to be an Israeli, a, a Jew. I love to be a Jew. I really would. But when I read about what's going to happen to them, I'm almost glad I'm not. But now, get what he says. In verse 23, and why are they grafted in and the other ones grafted out? And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut off or out by, of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery lest ye be wise in your own conceit. That blindness, get this, blindness in part is happened to Israel until, and you ought to underline it, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. So that is going to be fulfilled when God has taken all the Gentiles and the believing Jew in the body of Christ, and we're taken out of here, and that, that shows all over. And then the believing Jews, these 12,000 from all 12 tribes are going to be grafted in and they are going to flourish and they're going to be preaching the gospel. All that, That's what God wanted them to do originally. They were to be a light to the Gentiles, but they were not a light to the Gentiles. So they were used by God in order to bring the word of God into the world and the Messiah into the world. And they were to be the light to the Gentiles. Of course, Christ is the light, but they were supposed to spread the light. So they kind of messed up here and there. Now, if you look there in verse 26, and so all Israel, now this is after the fullness of the Gentiles, when we're taken out of here, then he says, and so all Israel shall be saved, so as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, which is Christ, shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob, and this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel. See, it's the gospel that is going to be preached. They'll see it. They'll hear it. They'll understand it. It's about the Messiah, Christ coming back, the great deliverer. It's been talked about in the Old, the Old Testament. So that time is coming. And it's all about belief. So when you start off in the book of Romans and you go through chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, and it says that we have concluded that all are under sin. There is none righteous, no, not one. We have before proved that there is none righteous, no, not one. Well, look what he says in verse 32. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon how many? Upon all. So it's a continuation of the truth that's mentioned even in Romans in chapter 3, and here in chapter 11, God said it's by grace that he can bestow mercy, and so all they have to do is believe. But why were they set aside 2,000 years ago? Because of their unbelief. And the time will come when they will see him and say, where did you get those wounds in your hand? He said, I received them in the house of my friend. That's when he came the first time. That's in Zechariah chapter 13. So the day is coming. Now, take your Bible and look here in the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Look there in Acts chapter 17, first of all. And then there's another scripture that I want you to see. Acts chapter 17. 
chapter 15. But look there in Acts chapter 17. God says in verse 31, because, this is Acts 17 verse 31, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, talking about Christ. In other words, everything is going to be judged according to his son, Jesus Christ. Are you as perfect? Are you as righteous as his son? That's the only way you get to heaven. Everybody's going to be judged according to him. And so either you will be as righteous as Christ, or you don't get to go in. So that's why we accept Christ as our Savior, and he gives us his righteousness. Now look what he said. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given, get this, assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. So it's not a matter just believing in anybody named Jesus. But your assurance, assurance of your salvation comes because of Christ not only dying for sin, but coming back from the dead. The payment was paid. God accepts the payment. And you can't trust a dead Christ to save you. He came back from the dead. He is alive. And we trust him. And he can save us. Now get what it says. In verse 32. If they did not have to believe anything about the resurrection of Christ. Or the payment for sin that he made. You know the apostle Paul could have saved themselves a lot of trouble. By not mentioning the resurrection. You know, they got in trouble when they preached that. Look what happened when they preached it here. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Another says, we will hear the again. Why make it an issue? If they don't have to believe it, why make it an issue? Why talk about it? But it tells you who Jesus is. That's why it's so important. And because of this, in verse 34, how certain men clave unto him and did what? And believed. And they believed in the Jesus that died and rose again. And God says, your assurance is based upon the resurrection. And because he paid for all of my sins and came back from the dead, I have assurance of the resurrection. I have eternal life. So that whenever I die, I know I'm going to rise again. My body's going to come back from the dead. Why? Because he did. Anyway, look now in chapter 15. Chapter 15. And you'll notice in chapter 15, I want you to look in verse 13. This is a, um, a discourse going on in the church there in Jerusalem. James is the pastor of the church, and there had arisen a problem about do you have to keep the law and so forth to be saved or to stay saved. But verse 13 said, And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon, or Peter, hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. Now, this is where we're getting the fullness of the Gentiles. I believe that there's only so many cells in a body. And so whenever that body is complete, and it's full, complete, done, 
the rapture takes place. I don't know, but I wouldn't mind winning the last person to the Lord that causes the rapture to take place. I don't know if that's what he's referring to, but it sure sounds pretty good. Now look what else he says. In verse 15, and to this agree the words of the prophet, the Old Testament, as it is written, going back to the Old Testament. In verse 16, after Christ takes out a people for his name of the believing Jews and believing Gentiles, remember on the day of Pentecost, it was the believing Jews. Chapter 10, believing Gentiles. And they were put together into one body. This is a mystery never been known about before. Only that God was going to do something. And then he says, after this, the church is complete. And the rapture takes place. And we're out of here. Look what he says in verse 16. After this, I will, what's that word? I will return. That means he had to come before this time. So he's already been here once. Now he's going to return. Get what he said. And build again the tabernacle of David which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles, unto whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things, known unto God are all of his wonderful works from the beginning of time. So God says in the last days, this is what's going to take place. Well, this is where we are now in our prophecy. Take your Bible and now go to the book of Revelation in chapter Seven. So the rapture has taken place. The fullness of the Gentiles has come in. The Jews are going to be grafted back in as a nation, which will take place when Christ comes back in power and great glory. Now, there's other Jews that are going to be reached way before this at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. So he says he's going to Seal them in their forehead. See there in verse 3? Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees. That means the trumpets are not supposed to sound by these angels until God gets this done. In other words, there's something got to have to take place. Who leads these people to the Lord? I don't know. And exactly what time does these two prophets come into the world? That's mentioned in chapter 11. Remember it says to measure the city and the temple, and the outer court is for the Gentiles. But the temple in Jerusalem, and it's talking about this, and then it talks about there's two witnesses that show up. So I believe the temple is already there. And this is probably close to the middle of the tribulation period. It's interesting trying to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. 